everybody, you were going to try and do an impression again, just like you started the previous episode. Yeah, but he, but uh, Marlon Brando's not in this movie, so no. it didn't, didn't seem fitting. No, but we are going to talk about a little something with Bar- Marlon Brando for this movie. Ah. So there's your tease. Um, today, we are talking about Godf- The Godfather Part 2. Now, what is really kind of pivotal to us talking about this movie and this franchise is, of course, you probably know, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you don't, that this is the Macabre Podcast universe, and we exist to prove people to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. And this is often cited, this and I would say Empire Strikes Back, as two examples of movies that are better than the originals. So this has been kind of like... Better than the first entry. Yes, yes. So this is kind of a big moment for the podcast, because... This one is one where, like, most people agree. And then Two Towers falls under that camp as well. I think Two Towers is not quite as good as Fellowship. Uh, but I think a lot of that's the one that most people have seen. Sure. Specifically because of Helm's Deep. Yes. I just don't know if that's like a, if everyone would say that. Whereas the Star Wars and Godfather, but you think everyone would say that Two Towers is better. I just feel like that has been my experience in my personal life. And talking yeah. to people about it. You might be, maybe it's just because like history hasn't, like those movies, yeah. they're old, but they're not like old, old. Who knows what people say in like another 10 years about yeah. them. Um, although I think most people agree that like Return of the King is the best. Yeah. Um, but we've already talked about that. Go back and listen to those episodes. We're talking about The Godfather Part Two. Okay. Um, Jordan. When did you first see this movie? I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure that I've seen this movie before. But it did feel like watching it for the first time. But there were parts where it would like it just felt familiar. Therefore, yeah. I don't know. So basically, last night was my first time. I um, feel about the same way as you when I was watching it, where I was like, this seems vaguely familiar. This scene does yeah. too, but nothing where I'm like, I know what's about to happen. Definitely, yeah. But as I as I talked about on the previous episode, I watched Godfather 2 on a portable DVD player during lunch breaks when I was at a worship conference. That is that is guitar, psychotic. Playing guitar and stuff. That is um, the most ridiculous thing. Don't be mad at me. That just doesn't even make sense. Well, it was lunch breaks and they were hour long lunch breaks. Socialize so. or something. Well, these are like it's people. No, you don't all- have to socialize, but you chose to watch this on a portable DVD and player. And Casablanca. That is crazy to me. Um. So I. I watched this, and I remember that feeling where I was like, oh, this is so, so, so good. And then it gets to when Robert De Niro is Vito Cor- Corleone, and he, he like, um, he, like, gets with his family, and then it goes to black, and then it says, insert disc two, or flip over yeah. disc, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how long is this movie? But I remember really liking it. Um, and then, of course, here we are. And we watched it again. This was only my second time watching Godfather Part Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, should should we give some of our knee jerk reactions to it before we jump in? It's really good. It's great. Uh, period. I enjoy the first one more, mm-hmm. but this one's really good. It's just so lush. It's just so. It's just like I just don't think it always works when you want to do a flashback on a character. Yeah, I think it can it can easily become overindulgent. Yeah. And this does not, it, it's like, they had something to say yep. about it. So I, that's why I think it worked. 
and the sets are incredible i didn't even really get it like that felt so expensive the whole movie felt so expensive because of the amount of people and set design yeah but um yeah i loved the flashback stuff Oh, it's so good. It was really good. And De Niro is just and it, it unbelievable. Even, it even like juxtaposed well with the present telling of what was happening with Michael. So it, not only was it different, a different story, because you know, I think that can even be distracting because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, who cares? I just want to get back to whatever Michael's doing. Yeah. And I actually think those, those worked in tandem together. Well, what was really smart. So when this movie starts, you know, I remember there's, you know, a bunch of flashbacks and stuff like that. But um, what what's really smart is because when when I find out, like if I had lived during the time in the seventies, and they said, "Hey, they're making Godfather Part Two; it's coming out next year," I would say to myself, even with my love for sequels, I'd be like, "No, yeah, I don't need that. That's stupid. Don't yeah. do that." But they clearly had more to tell, and just the idea of telling two parallel stories just automatically like changes it so. Like I would, I wouldn't say that this movie's better than Godfather because it's just too different to really compare the two. Because you just, it's told so differently, and it feels like a Godfather movie, but it's very, it's very unique. It's just an interesting approach to a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it sort of does feel like, it does feel like it's a part two, not a, not the second movie. If that makes so sense. So is this like another book? No. So he did he the author just write the screenplay for this movie? Him and Francis did. Yeah. And Francis had this idea where he said, I want to tell a story that is a father and a son, and it's walking through the same period in their life. Uh-huh. So we're seeing Vito Corleone beginning this crime fam- family while Michael is continuing the crime family. Yeah. And they're roughly the same age yeah. at certain points in the movie. And just right there, it's like brilliant. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, cool. And I think that's why it doesn't feel uh, jarring and weird that it's flashing back and forth. Yeah, you know, because yeah, you know, sometimes flashbacks really, really pull you out of a movie. Mm-hmm. It does not do that in this. The, movie. Well, this and the, the the first movie too. They really just feel like epic tales. You know, like they're just they're yeah. so meaty and heavy that a tra- the transitions like that aren't as distracting to me. Yeah, and I think both of these movies feel like um, they're true stories, and I uh-huh. think that that lends itself to like your interest. And yeah. in a way, they kind of are. Yeah, they're historical fiction, really. Yeah. Um, but it, it just kind of feels like, oh, this happened, and this director is like really spending his time to like tell the story of this real life crime family, uh-huh. even though it's not real. Yeah. Um. But let's, should we get into it a little bit? Mm-hmm. So in 1972, of course, Francis comes out with Godfather. We talked about it last week. Highest grossing movie. But if you remember the studios of that year, uh, if you remember the studios were like, this is not, like we don't trust Francis. This is a disaster. It's going over budget, mm-hmm. scheduling, all that stuff. Um, one thing I saw that I didn't see last time was that um, Robert Duvall said that they they had a director on set waiting for Francis, like so that if they needed to fire him, someone could just walk right on. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it was tense and stuff like that. And so then he goes on to make the conversation. That's his next movie. It comes out in April 
of I believe we're in the year 74. Um and then Godfather will come out in December of 74. So he comes out with two movies this year and the conversation which stars Gene Hackman and I watched this week for the first time unbelievably good. Um Fredo is in it and he is really great. Um, and Robert Duvall's in it too for a couple of scenes. Uh, the conversation, and it wins the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which is basically the highest honor. I mean, because the Academy, even itself, as much as we love the Academy in America, it mostly recognizes American mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're not American, they have to be in the the international. Although sometimes they can win, like Parasite. But uh, Cannes is like that's. Any country. But you're talking about an American movie. Yes. But what I'm trying to say is Cannes is like almost a bigger honor than winning the Oscar. Okay. If you win the Palme d'Or. Okay. So this is like the conversation wins. Okay. And then he comes out with The Godfather later this year. And um, just to skip a little bit, The Godfather Part 2 will go on to win Best Picture, Mm -hmm. Best Director, Best Supporting Actor by Robert De Niro. And he played the same character who won uh, Best Actor. Best Actor last time, yep. which the o- that's that was the first time that's happened. Yeah, and it's only happened one other time with Joker, because yeah. uh, Heath Ledger and Joaquin both uh-huh. played Joker. Um, it wins Best Adapted Screenplay, and it wins Best Score and Best Art Direction. Wow! And it was still nominated for Al Pacino, uh, supporting Michael Gazzo, who is Fredo. Um, yeah, he definitely deserved one. Uh, Lee Strausberg was also nominated. Talia Shire was nominated. And it was nominated for costume. Cool. So <laughs> he takes the Palm d'Or home for the conversation. And that's just the beginning of his award season reign. <laughs> um, and what's crazy is, so the best best score, the winner is Nito Rota, who did both the mm-hmm. score to Godfather and Godfather 2. But Carmine Coppola also won Best Score, even though he's not listed in the movie as the composer. Hmm. Um, but he, he obviously contributed. Yeah. Um, and it's also just something to note is this year in movies, um, these were all movies that were up for Oscars. We had Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. That movie got nominated for Best Picture? It got nominated for something. Oh, okay. I didn't research what, but I'm just saying like how crazy the year uh-huh. of 1974 was. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Murder on the Orient Express, The Great Gatsby, which Francis Ford Coppola... The Robert Redford one. Duh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola wrote that screenplay, so he could have won for that as well. Um, The Conversation, Chinatown, and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. All of those movies were up for Oscars and came out that year. Uh Uh-huh. So, that's crazy. Yeah. Um... So then the screenplay of this movie is by Francis and Mario Puzo, Puzo, and cinematography Gordon Willis, and the movie comes out December 20th, 1974. It has a $13 million budget, uh, and domestically it makes $57.3 million. So, I just feel like movies cost nothing to make back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think still, still for inflation, I mean, we're still talking a mid-size... That's just so movie, much you know? production went into this movie. That's crazy to me. I, I, I would just be interested to the production manager should have got been nominated for some kind of organizational award, Oscar <laughs> or something like, just crazy. Yeah, 
it's and he probably still went over budget and over time yeah yeah um so Puzo starts writing godfather 2 before godfather is even out okay he starts writing it in 1971 and you know they wanted to juxtapose the rise of Vito with the fall of michael um not that it's like his fall fall no, but no, his no. like yeah. moral yeah. fall um and let's see coppola so this time around the studio was like yeah do whatever you want we don't care you proved yourself with godfather so he ha- he stated i don't know how old the interviews i saw were but they were at least in the 90s and he was like oh that was like the easiest movie for me to make godfather 2 because i was just able to oh, do yeah, yeah, yeah. what i wanted yep. to do yep and no one was bothering me yeah and oftentimes and we've talked about tim burton yeah. how like when he's given free reign it usually is not as good yeah but like with francis it works i guess yeah at least in this case yeah um and let's see toward the end of the movie when robert de niro has a mustache they i guess they just were talking about that for a long time should he have a mustache shouldn't he and then they just flipped a coin <laughs> okay kind of funny that's fine um and then they had the first showing of this movie when they like kind of premiered it to some audiences everyone was like this is horrible hmm. horrible apparently it cut back and forth between Vito and michael like more than twice as much. Oh, yeah. That, was, I think that would be too much. Yeah, really confusing. So then they cut it back. Because they would spend like minimum 20 minutes yeah. with each one. More, I think more time was spent with Michael, obviously. Uh-huh. But there was a long amount of time in between. Yeah, it, it cuts like, I think like 10 times or so. And in the first cut, it was like 24 times. Ooh, yeah, that's so audience audiences were like, there's not enough time to like invest, uh-huh. and then you're like in the uh, uh-huh. the next person. So, um, then they edited it, and now it's considered one of the best movies ever made. And then my last note is that they so the end of this movie, there's this wonderful scene where the family. It's a flashback in between, I guess, the two settings of the movie, where the whole family's at the dinner table and they're waiting for. Marlon Brando to show up and they're going to it's his birthday it's, it's a his surprise birthday. party well they get there the day of the shoot Marlon Brando is ready to go and show up and be godfather as a nice little cameo and I, I saw one source but I couldn't find a citation so I I'm not sure where like Brando basically was like he felt like Paramount was treating him really poorly and <laughs> but but whatever the reason was the day of shooting comes and Brando is not there. He does not show up to the shoot. And they can't get a hold of him. So then Francis says, what if it's a surprise party? Uh-huh. And then they shoot it like it's a surprise party scene. And you know what? Frankly. I think it worked. I think knowing the knowledge that he could have been in that scene, watching the scene again, I'm like, I think it would have taken I, away from that scene. I think it could have. I, You know, I think it, the more than anything, I think the scene's about Michael. It's not about Vito, but I, I can understand because it's the end of the movie and it, this whole time we've seen them alternating yeah. and then to have one of the last scenes be them together, I think would be really sweet. Yeah. But I don't think it makes or breaks the movie because I think more than anything, uh, like we needed to see Michael uh, reveal that he wasn't doing what his father wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fine. 
Yeah, I I'm glad. I'm glad that he wasn't yeah. in it because it it just kind of adds to the mythology of this Godfather character. And I think I think on a subconscious level, it would have taken away from the impact of Robert De Niro and throughout the whole movie being oh, Vito. Yeah, you know. I mean, Brando missed out on that cake. Holy crap! That <laughs> cake looked so good. It was big. It was huge. That's I couldn't believe cake. one person could lift that out of there. I know. Um. So I mean, you gotta have strong. Uh, a wrist to lift that I, baby uh yeah that cake looks so good <laughs> but uh yeah so that's interesting that's what i got on the notes wow so what do you got for me so last time i did not cover fredo who oh, was perfect. played by john cazelle or cazelli I, I don't whatever oh, cazelle but oh, um, i said the, a different name of someone who is nominated I'll, I'll look that up while i this is him absolutely also yeah, no it is fredo. that's definitely him yeah um he is in Dog Day Afternoon. That's right. We, yes. we, I think when we were watching The Godfather, we realized this. Yeah. Um. He's also in The Deer Hunter. Micah. I still gotta he's watch it. He's in The it. Deer Hunter. Um. And then the conversation, like you said, I knew it was you. Um. And, and oh, the freshman. He he's in a lot of classic movies. He died at forty two. Oh, well, he sad. died in nineteen seventy eight. Um, and then, okay, so I, can I yeah. bug in real quick? I'm sorry, but uh, he was not nominated. Oh, that's a bummer. Who was nominated was Frankie, who is Michael Gazzo, huh? Uh, Frankie, the, the guy who's in prison and kills himself oh, in the bathtub. Okay, that's and fine. Then yeah, Lee Strasberg, who's Hyman Roth, was nominated. Okay, so I think he and, also deserved a nomination. Oh, yeah, he was so yeah. good. I, I'm surprised that. That John Cazelle did not get nominated though, because he's really amazing. That's that's yeah, um, he was so good. That seems like an overstatement or a um oversight. And Talia Shire, who I didn't we did not cover as well. Yeah. Uh she plays the sister Connie. Um she is in she is Adrian. Yes. And Rocky. Um and the Rocky franchise. Uh she's also in Kingdom, Dreamland, Palo Alto. The Return of Joe Rich. Uh, we found out that she is the mother to Jason Schwartzman, which I had no which idea. I had no idea. And she's so she's, he he's a Coppola, just yeah, like she, everyone else in Hollywood. Her brother is Francis Ford oh, Coppola. Oh, sorry, yeah, her brother is yeah. It's just crazy that family is Can so you give crazy. Me a favor? Yes. Can you Google her husband? <laughs> um, and the then, seriousness with which you looked at me i thought i was in trouble because um jason schwartzman's brother who i don't don't remember the name of he is the love interest in princess diaries and upon learning that talia shire is their mom i'm like oh he kind of looks like his mom jason schwartzman's brother that makes sense but i gotta know what jason schwartzman's who his dad is jack schwartzman here's a, pic? a picture of him jack schwartzman he doesn't look like either of his parents. No, let me, I'll try and find a different pick though, because maybe um, who is like what does he do? Uh, who, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's a film producer. Okay. Or was yeah. Was. Lee Strasberg, who plays Hyman Roth, who was nominated for an Oscar for this movie, is also in Going in Style, uh, the Cassandra Crossing, Skokie, Boardwalk. <laughs> oh, he kind of looks like him. He looks like his dad. Kinda. Yeah, he no, he does. He kind of looks like his dad. So Jack Schwartzman, if you want to follow along, and I think it was the first picture of him <laughs> with his wife Talia Shire at the time wife. Yeah. 
So it's so funny. Continue. Uh, did we say this in the last one? And if we did, I'm sorry. But uh, how Nicolas Cage is a Coppola? We did not say that. Okay, I just think it's fun. It is. It's, it's fun crazy. to know that, and I hope it blew a couple people's minds because that surely blew my mind when I found that out. Because yeah. most of my life growing up, I mean, I love Nicolas Cage from like National Treasure. So as a kid, it's like he's the best. He's so cool. And then you grow up, you get a little bit wiser, a little bit older, and you're like, oh, he's an insane person. Yeah. And potentially an alien, according to Micah. Yes. And then, and, well, you can't just say that and then not let me explain okay, why. Okay. Okay. My family went on a trip to New Orleans. And we did a grave tour. Yeah. Because um, they have those crazy cemeteries with like the above ground, like little mausoleums. Uh-huh. And Nicolas Cage has one there. And the the tour guide was like, like he, he bought the Nicolas plot. Nicolas Cage so is that, not dead for anyone yeah, who doesn't know. <laughs> he bought the plot so that he can uh, be buried there. Um, and it's a pyramid. Illuminati, man. It is a small pyramid. <laughs> And and because of some of the roles I've seen him in where it seems like his whole approach is, yeah, this is what humans do. Yeah. <laughs> I think he might be an alien. I think it's up for debate. I like Nick. So you think Cage, when he But I uh, think he might be an alien. Perishes from this earth and they bury him in the mausoleum, the pyramid will shoot back up into space. I was actually thinking more that it would be some sort of <laughs> teleporting device where like an oh. alien ship would come down, a beam would shoot to the tip of the pyramid, <laughs> and his like molecules would come up. Oh, that's that's yeah. elaborate. That's science that we just frankly don't have yet. Not yet, but it's science <laughs> they have. Uh yeah. That's fun. He's great. <laughs> he's just he's you just see him at a role and you're like, he's either being transcendent right now or a buffoon. Yeah. And I can't tell, but I can't look away. Well, and then it's just do, crazy. Do the community tell them the community thing if they haven't seen community. The- oh, there there is an episode of community where there is a whole class based on is Nicolas Cage good or not at acting. And Abed, for those of you who don't know, that character is the he's a, a film buff in the show, and he drives himself crazy. Trying, trying to figure, to figure out. out if Nicolas Cage is good at acting or not. Very funny episode. Very funny bit. And I, I also was just like, I relate to this fully. Because every oh, time yeah. I go into a movie with Nicolas Cage, it's like, it's either going to like straight up suck well, we watched or great. The the Scorsese movie, the, the ambulance one. Not oh, my favorite Scorsese movie, but a good that? Nicolas Cage role. Yeah. He was good in it. I am what that's called. I'll look it up. Um, but... If anyone, I mean, you got to watch a bad movie every now and then. It is good. It is cathartic. And one of those bad movies that you should watch is Vampire's Kiss, starring Nicolas Cage. Because that is one of the craziest performances I've ever seen in a movie. And it's so funny. It's one of those bad movies where you don't get bored. Yeah, and and that's the movie where he he does the... um, A, B, C. A, B, C, D, E. And he goes through the whole alphabet. Yeah, and he literally, when he's, when crying, he's crying, says, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. <laughs> so it's just funny because I get to a point in my life where I'm like, how did he get to where he is? I know he's been around for a long time. I know that. But how did he get where he is? And I think there, I might have even seen a tiny bit of like an actor looking back on his career kind of thing and him talking about his career. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Yeah. And then you find out he's a Coppola. And then it's like, okay, I think that might have had a little bit to do yeah. with his career. I, I'm not saying he can't be a good actor, but no, he had has he been not a good been in the stuff. Coppola family, I'm not sure he would have had the career he had. I think that's fair to say. There, There is some 80s movie he's in that I can't remember where it's like, uh, it's like a, a rom-com or something. 
Uh-huh. It's not a John Hughes movie. But I think he's supposed to be cute in it. Yeah. Like the cute or mysterious guy. And it's just like, I can't. I can't yeah, do yeah. it. That's so weird, man. Too weird. Um, the, but, the movie, the more Scorsese movie is Bringing Out the Dead. That's right. Yeah. Not my favorite Scorsese movie, no. but a good Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah, he's very good. He's in really it. good in it. Okay. Michael Vigazzo, who plays Frankie. Gazzo. Yeah. Um, he is in Fingers, XXX, Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> Last Action Hero. There's three Xander Cage movies. Uh, he's in, He plays Torelli. He, I bet he's one. Uh, yeah. I, I think he's like a henchman. I think he might. I think he might be like a, a cop. Got it. I think. Johnny Bago. Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> He's in some <laughs> not great looking movies. And then I did also want to cover, oh, Bruno Kirby, who who is uh who plays um young Clemenza, who is in the flashbacks. He is in when Harry met Sally. And it was so fun seeing him in this movie. He was so good. He was really good. Um he's who? also in City Slickers and Good Morning Vietnam Sleepers a lot. So who is Clemenza? Is Clemenza in Godfather? Like that character, like an older version of him? I guess so, if it says young Clemenza. I don't remember. I'll look it up. And then I also just wanted to touch on Dominic Cianese, who plays Johnny Ola. Uh, Mike and I, so he's pretty on pretty early in the movie. And Mike and I both separately, quietly, we were like, holy crap. I think that's Junior Soprano. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he starts talking, and we were both just, both just like, holy crap, June is in this movie. So he plays Junior Soprano in The Sopranos, and that blew our minds. Yeah. And he was amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, the character Clemenzo is the character in the first movie who says, take the cannoli, leave the gun. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I did not catch that, but then when you said young Clemenza, or Clemenzo, I thought... Oh, he must be in cool. the first movie. Um, good, good polls on there. Yeah, the Sopranos, Junior, we love him. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. And he must have been born an old man like Robert du- Duvall as well. He looks pretty different, but yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> he was in this movie. I think part. Of, I wonder if part of it has to do with Al Pacino's a pretty short person, short mm-hmm. being five seven, which is actually kind of average. Um, he he must be pretty tall because he seemed very tall in this movie. Yeah, but he's so much. But, he seems so but short. But James, in James Gandolfini, I think, is also a tall person, and yeah. that's who he has most of his scenes with. Can we watch some Sopranos today? Sure. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I know. I I watching these movies. I'm like. Oh, I gotta, I gotta watch Casino. I gotta watch some more Sopranos. I kind of want to watch Goodfellas again. Yeah, The Departed would like, like, you know, you know. Although The Departed, interestingly enough, it's mostly Irish. Yeah. Oh, and I gotta watch Irishman again. Gotta yeah. watch The Irishman because that's like. Well, I, so I was thinking about this this morning that these two Godfather movies are very. Um, they're actually very quiet movies, I would say. Yeah. It's a lot of just talking. It's some intense stuff, and there are some some intense violence, but especially this one, I feel like this one is not very violent, and it's just a quiet character study. And I was thinking about Scorsese, because he's the other great, uh, you know, Italian-American, American, like, mafia yeah. movie guy. And his movies, 
during like the 80s and 90s are just so electric. Yeah. They're like just going, you know, Goodfellas, Casino, those movies just are like 100% the whole yeah. time. But then I thought, you know, The Irishman is kind of like his godfather because that movie's much more quiet. Yeah. It takes its time. It's really long and it's not as violent and it just kind of is like, a, not that his other movies are not character studies because they are. Yeah. But I realize that that movie's a lot more Godfather than Goodfellas is. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Goodfellas is pretty flashy. Yeah. In all the right ways. All the, oh. So this it's movie. Top five movies for me. I love Goodfellas. Godfather Part Two. Yes. Made me realize very much so that th- this family is a cult. Okay. Because yes, it's it's run by it's like business motivated. It's how to make money, and they do it illegally. But people are prisoners in this thing. Mm-hmm. The only way they're going to get out is if they're going to get killed. They they yeah. can't get out because it. If someone just chooses to leave, they have way too much information. They're going to get killed. They can't. No one can just walk away from this. Yeah, unscathed. And it is one of the most interesting parts of the movie, which is actually not a huge part of the movie, is uh, Diane Keaton's character Kay, just like the last movie. Uh, so she's not Italian American, but she married into this family. And she gets to the point where she is she is a prisoner in it and wants to leave yeah. to the point where she does something unforgivable to leave. And, I mean, th- he didn't kill her, but I don't think he would kill the mother of his children, Michael. Yeah. But I think that's the only thing that keeps him from not doing it. Absolutely. But it, it is, it's just, like, sure, it's me. I mean, the if, it, if, it, if religion's any part of it, it's Catholicism. Yeah. Because the whole movie starts with the First Communion. But in terms of like actually holding on to those like beliefs and like the sacraments and stuff, they don't really believe in any of it. I don't feel. Does that make sense? Like, like it's yeah. more just like the like families, the religion. Well, what what I find really fascinating about these first two movies, I, I can't remember the third one, but I, I'm I'm vaguely remembering a lot of Catholic, Catholic like imagery in yeah. my brain. Um, is that most of the big violent parts or just a lot of big moments are also connected to Catholicism in some way. So like in the first movie, uh, the the child's first communion. Uh, it, the baptism in the first movie? Or baptism, I'm yeah. sorry, is when he kills the heads of the five families. Uh-huh. Um, in this movie, when Fredo gets killed, he's saying a Hail Mary. Yeah. So it's like their religion is tied into their identity, but also like the irony of this religious belief and then these insane acts of violence are yeah. happening at the same well, time. Well, it's like they're able to turn it off or, or not turn it off. Yeah. I think it's just like, yeah, that that's a part of my life and then this is a part of my life. And then that other thing's also a part of my life, but not all at once. Yeah. Is how it kind of feels. But there's there's certainly a paper to be written or like a YouTube video essay on like the faith juxtaposition of violence in the Godfather movies. Well, yeah, especially so to go even further a little bit with the cult stuff. And I know we're talking about fictional things, but like in Sopranos, we just watched an episode where Chris it becomes a made man. And there was a, basically a ritual to go into yeah, it. Yeah. And they, you know, they had to like, they like burned a card and they had to like rub it between their hands. And as they're doing all of these rites, um, Tony is saying like, at this point, moving forward, we are above your family. We are above your wife. Like we come first. Yeah. Like these yes, men become yes. first before anyone else. And if you do 
anything against those interests or against us, you will die. Like you will be killed. Uh-huh. Like it's, it, it's just very cult mentality, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's interesting too, because so going back to Godfather, you know, like these people are all born into it and that's as if they don't know better or like, this is the best way. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting in this movie because they show how Vito came from nothing yeah. to, to start all of this. But then you go, then it cuts back to Michael and his family. They live literally on a compound and Kay can't even leave yeah. Yeah. the compound because it's because she's not safe. But is she safe inside no. as well? She, yeah, she's not. So it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, really good observations, Jordan. You're smart. <laughs> so let's dive. So let's get through this three and a half hour movie. Yeah, we will have a, we'll have to put an intermission break for our listeners, right? Totally. And uh, okay, so the movie begins and we're in, I think like 1901 or mm-hmm. something like that. 1901 in Sicily. We're, yes, and we see, you know, this nice crawler that's saying, you know, Vito Corleone was born on this island and his father was killed by the dawn on the island. And they live in Corleone, Sicily. That's right. So because right now it's Vito and Andolini, not Vito yes. Corleone. Um, and I'm just thinking about the payoff of that is just so good. But um, so he is a child and they're they're walking his father in a funeral. And then we hear gunshots. They drop they drop the the casket and they all hide and Vito's brother who had sworn revenge on the dawn is killed mm-hmm. by obviously the dawn then the dawn then uh Vito's mother and Vito are brought before the dawn and she's pleading with him not to take her son cuz she just knows that he's going to kill her son well she's she's pleading for him to take their son and bring yeah, him into the family yeah but no but she was also saying how weak he was so he will never grow up to take revenge on you. He's too weak and yeah. dumb. Yep. So just spare him. But at this point, the Andalinis have become too threatening Yeah. to the dawn. So then he shoots the mother. Crazy. She goes flying. Yeah. The, the, I, we were trying to figure out how they did some of these. I don't get it. I mean, they must be squibs, a lot of them. But, but I don't know how. Face? I don't know how you can do that on their face. I don't get it. it. It feels like, but I don't know that they had this back then. It feels like the only way they could do it is if they had like, like small paintball guns or something to but like shoot them even, in the face. I mean, I know it's like different times. I don't even think they would do that though. That's what I mean. But I wonder if we could, if we like watched one of these kills and like, sl- you know, went like frame by frame. Cause sometimes like on a Tarantino movie, you know, you see all this blood and stuff, but if you slow down, sometimes you can tell like, Oh, he shot from that side of the screen, but blood's coming from off frame where someone is like throwing a bucket of blood clearly. Oh, really? But, I've never done that before. Oh, there's stuff like that in movies all the time. But if, if you're not, when when, the, when it's fast paced and you're not slowing it down, you your and brain doesn't shocked. register Shock it. value. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. I'm sure there's people who are like, that means they suck. But um, we'll be talking <laughs> a lot about blood this month on Patreon because we're covering Kill Bill Volume 1. Spraying of blood. So go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. Link in the show notes, okay? But... So they mom gets killed. Vito is on the run. Yes. And so then he hooks up with a family and they smuggle him onto a boat that is headed toward America. Ellis Island. So we are seeing like the true beginnings of 
the Corleone family. And, and to you know, because in the last movie, you see they're a family of such prominence, a family worth assassinating. Uh huh. And in this movie, you're seeing like, oh, he didn't have anything. Uh huh. Like true rags to riches, American dream kind I know. of thing. It, it makes it. Um, I yeah, I almost feel like if you watch this movie. Uh, it would be fun to watch that cut they made for TV where it's all chronological mm-hmm. because just knowing like how Vito became how he became and then watching The Godfather again, I'm sure that colors a lot of his decisions yeah. in a much different light. Yeah. And and you totally do see how it is all about respect and family and friendship to him, not fear. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because even in Sicily, that was ruled by fear. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so he is in Ellis Island alone, does not speak English, and becomes an American citizen. They change his name to Corleone. And I I saw a nice little uh, detail that they put an X on him, and that means that the people who were um, running the Ellis Island thought that he had, like, a mental issue. Oh, just because he maybe couldn't speak English? But but remember at the beginning of the movie when she's talking to the Don and she's like he's oh. not like he's not mentally all there. I thought she was just saying that though. I thought so too, but then the fact that they put it, it's like, oh, okay, I think he's because he he's literally not speaking. Uh-huh. And she says how he doesn't speak. So I think it's oh. just one of those things where he just didn't speak for a while. Uh-huh. And people thought he was experienced a disability. Yeah. 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 Which doesn't make you any less than, but certainly at the time they didn't understand that. Yeah, um, and they did bad things. But um, and, yeah, and I just wrote, uh, I wrote, arrive in America, just a brilliant idea for a sequel. Because I just feel like right off the bat, you're like, like if I had gone and seen this movie in theaters, I'd be like, okay, actually, I'm not worried about this movie. Yeah, <laughs> they are confident in where they're going. And then we cut to Anthony Corleone. As he is at his first communion. Mm-hmm. And they have the most lavished first communion party I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's very similar, but different to like the wedding mm-hmm. at the Godfather. And people are making requests to Michael. Mm-hmm. And one guy who is Frankie comes all the way from New York to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and it's just the way that Coppola captures people who are not the actors, it's just such a fly on the wall. Yeah. And and everything just feels so real. Um but I mean the way he captures actors, I mean I'm just telling you because it's sort of died out. There's a few filmmakers that still do this, but just less coverage for a movie like this. That setting up one camera and having three actors have a conversation, it's for the most part it's just better if they're good actors. Then being like, okay, we're going to get the wide and then the three close-ups and then maybe a couple of mids so that we can just keep cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. Yeah. Because these people, and I didn't realize this, but Francis comes from like a play directing background. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And when you you watch his movies, knowing that, it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense why you would set up one camera and be like, I trust the actors. Yeah. Go. Act. Um, So one of the first people he meets with is a senator, the senator of Nevada. And so at this point, so the, a lot of the movie takes, okay, sorry. At the end of the last movie, the Corleones are moving out of their estate in New York. And in this movie, you see that they have relocated to Nevada city. Yep. And because this, I just had to connect all these dots because I just wasn't sure why they were moving the last 
movie, but then you also, if you remember the last movie, he came, uh, Michael came to Mo Green and pretty much said, we're taking this over. So Corleone's relocate to Nevada City to start running casinos. Yeah. So um, they want to buy, they want to acquire a new casino and they need like all these permits and stuff, which is like $25,000. And, uh, you know, he needs this from the senator, like the senator can help him get this and stuff. And the senator says, you can pay me $250,000 and 5% of the of the gross basically forever yeah and and it was you know the the senator actor was really good because you could tell how much contempt he had for italian americans oh yeah like like especially this i think because this family just they feel like rats to him uh-huh. and it is just one of those things it's just so interesting where he's pretty much telling him like you guys think you can just come into our beautiful country and take this all over and it's like well one michael was born here yeah. So he is just as much as right as you do. And he fought for this country. And he fought for this country. And to the senator, it's like, you're not American. Like, you are probably from, you know, what generation American are you? Yeah. You're not a Native American. No. So you're on stolen land, too. So yeah. it's just, it's interesting that, that they just do a good job of that, I think, in, in this movie. That, I think, kind of continues from last movie. Yeah. Because even later on, in the whole, the court proceedings, the senator is saying how much he loves Italian-Americans. Oh, I know. Crazy. The, the senator is great, and it's it's cool seeing how, like, you know, in the last movie, they're starting to get into, like, the drug world, and that's part of the, like, changeover. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, it's like, now we're starting to get into politics. Yeah, which in the last movie, they mentioned that they, they own politicians, and I I thought it was great in this movie that they showed those relationships. Yeah, and, and it's very cool because it is just... Um, you know, and they mention, a cu- there's a couple comments about, like, presidential candidates, yep. and, and you know, there's a Senate hearing later in the movie, and it's like, oh, man. And, and as far is, as, like, bumming me out. <laughs> yeah, and as far as I know from my little knowledge of, like, mafia history, I think this is around the time when people started, like, this stuff was happening. Yeah. With, with you know, the Italian mafias and stuff like that. Um Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so pretty much Michael tells him that's not it's not gonna go the way you want. Yeah. See you later. And and he says, he says, my offer is this. Nothing. And the guy's like, whatever, okay. We'll 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 just see about that. And then we'll follow up on that later. Yeah. But one really crucial glue to this movie, even though Talia Shire is in like three scenes, she she did earn that Oscar nomination. Um, so she shows up, and she has this guy named Merle mm-hmm. with her, and he's going to be her husband. There's references to this would be, I think, like her third husband. Mm-hmm. Obviously, her first was killed. Yeah, because he said the ink on your divorce isn't even dry yet. Yeah. And then she has children, I'm assuming, from the second marriage. I mean, she was still pregnant in the from the first marriage, too. Yeah. Um. But, like, it sounds like her children are somewhat grown up, and she is not a mother to them. Yeah. And when she shows up, she's kind of, like, dressed to the nines, and she shows up with this energy that's kind of like, I'm a new, confident person. Mm -hmm. And we did not see this in her in the previous movie, so it's kind of like, what's her deal? And then you remember, okay, at the end of Godfather, she pretty much knew Michael killed her husband. Yeah. Yeah. So she hates Michael. Yeah. She hates him. And so she's asking him for money, and he's like, what are you talking about? You can't ask me for money and, like, abandon your children. Families first. You could stay here. But in front of the guy he's saying this, 
don't marry this man. You will disappoint me if you marry this oh, man. Oh, man, that was so so much tension <laughs> in that room. I know, and she's just kind of like, has this like, and I, I'm not even necessarily throwing a judgment on her, but she just has like a woe is me, like how could you treat me like this, Michael? Yeah. Maybe she's justified that. Maybe she's not. I, I don't know. It's it's complicated. We, we really don't That's get the enough. beauty of we, these. We really only get like Michael's perspective of it, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, oh yes, and and I did write this, and this kind of speaks to like the re- the religious aspects, but the the irony of the puritanical beliefs that they have of like divorce, and you know when Fredo's wife is like yelling on the dance floor and very drunk, and then the fact that they're turning around and murdering people and buying politicians and stuff is just crazy. I know. Now, on the one hand. Especially, it, the, another interesting thing that just popped into my head is as we're seeing these veto flashbacks, we see that in a way, in a way, that this family was kind of forced to do this because you had this Don walking around in New York forcing people to pay him. Mm-hmm. He, and, and if not, he was going to make police come and arrest him and send him back to Italy. Mm-hmm. So... You see that the family is like forced into this world of crime and then now it's like but and they're still in it and they can't get out. It's it's that and vicious cycle. I think that's cycle. what the newest season of Fargo does well of showing. Yeah. Of of how it became that complicated because it had to be. Yeah. Cuz the system was broken to the begin with. Yeah, and and it's like you wonder why large groups of people get desperate and it's like well when you look at history like mm-hmm. yes we all, I think we all believe that there's redemption for people and they can get out of things. But there is stuff that's more complicated than, oh, yeah, if I just walk out of this compound, I'll be fine. It's like, no, you will get murdered now yeah. if you walk out of that compound. Or we think you're running away. Yeah. We, we think you won't come back and we just can't have it. So it, it, it's so complicated. I know. Um, and, and it's crazy, too, in that scene where Fredo's wife is dancing, we see that Fredo's still a coward. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, it's crazy. So to remind people, Fredo was the one who was driving Vito around in the first movie. And that's when Vito gets um, shot like five times by like a rival gang. And yeah. Fredo does nothing but cry. He doesn't yeah. even stop. He, he actually drops his gun. So in this movie, yeah, you see his wife is out of control. And I think it's Tom, who is Robert Duvall, is like, either you need to take care of her or someone else will. And he, and he says, I can't. Yeah. So so a man comes up and just picks up his wife and takes her away. Yeah. How humiliating is that? Yeah. And I also, I do, it just, you feel this, and I think it's just how the movie establishes, and the story establishes this feeling of like, no one respects her, not just because she's drunk, but she's not Italian. Yeah. She's just some blonde lady who he met at a casino, and no one probably talks to her. Yeah. And, and even when they were all sitting around the table eating dinner, um, she was there and Kay was there, you know, the family and the wives. And um, Merle was there, too. Yeah. And um, Michael's mom, so Mama Corleone, says something like you can kind of tell disparaging in Italian. You can just get that sense yes, by, like, the yes. look on her face about Merle and Fredo's wife. Yeah. Interesting. Totally. Um, and then... We also have Kay and Michael are dancing, and he talks about how the, they're working to get the 
business legitimate? And she said, yeah, you told me that uh, we'd be legitimate in five years. You told me that seven years ago. Yeah. And that's also when we learned that she's pregnant. That's true. And then party's over. Michael goes upstairs. Well, no, he has to talk to Frankie. Oh, yes, yes. So Frankie came from New York because he's having issues with the Roth Empire, which they they are in like a basically another type of mafia, but they're Jewish. Yeah. Therefore, there is not a, they don't trust like Frankie does not trust them because they're not Italian. And uh, the, the so basically that that group is giving his group a lot of trouble. Uh-huh. And he's come to Michael to like, help me. We got to figure something out. They're basically like coming on our territory taking stuff and that's what michael says we've always had a really good relationship with roth dad has always had a really good relationship with him and that's when frankie says he's always respected him and he's always worked well with him but he was never family to about yeah roth. he never trusted him i think never trusted him yeah and michael is, has this air of like like well things are a little bit different now yeah yeah so he he's not gonna help frankie and then that night michael goes up to his room and Kay kind of wakes up when he comes in and she says, why are the drapes open? Mm-hmm. And then machine gun fire mows through the room. So someone attempts to kill Michael. Mm-hmm. And so after that, Michael is like, okay, got to leave. Tom, you've always been a true brother to me. You have to run the business. I trust you completely. So what's interesting about this, because remember in the last one we talked about, the last movie. So Tom was picked up off the street by Vito because he was an orphan and raised mm-hmm. him like his own son. Uh, but he, and, and raised him to be the conciliary, the lawyer of the family. So he basically knows all the ins and outs of what's going on, but he can never be in control of any of it yeah. because he's not truly family. So you're thinking, Oh, he's giving him control of the family. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But really I think Michael is just giving him the janitor duty, the janitor duty okay. to make sure things continue running and take care of any of the issues. I have to go take care of the real issues though. And I'm not going to tell you about any of it. Yeah. So you're I, right. So I think yeah. he's still keeping Tom in the dark. Yeah. About things. And I, and I think like he, maybe Michael sees it as like, you know, it, it's so high profile. Only I can know about what I really am going to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it is interesting because I feel like, cause Robert Duvall is not in it as much as the last movie. No. Um, but yeah, I just think that he doesn't give him much to do. Yeah. Funny, like ironically. Well, and and uh, as far as parallels go, uh, Vito Corleone has, in in the 1900s, fled to New York because he was trying to be killed, and Michael now has to flee because he's been trying to be killed. So there's yep. that um, syncing up as well. And then we cut to 1917, and we get to see Bobby De Niro. And he does the voice he does. Yeah. Kind of unbelievable. Yeah. He does the Marlon Brando voice. He does it, but he he did it in such a smart way where uh it doesn't sound he didn't like impersonate it. He made it sound like what that voice would sound like if he was young. So it's still raspy, but he's not going full really smart. It's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's just uh, one of the best, you know. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought, but he is one of the best. So he is, he just works at like a grocery store. He lives in Little Italy. Yeah. Um, he is married in 1917 to Mama Corleone. Yeah. Um, 
they so the, you know they live in this really tiny apartment. They have Sunny. They have Sunny, um, and you you learn uh, that he that this man called the Black Hand is the guy that's running the neighborhood. Like you just mentioned previously, he goes around people collecting money. Don Fanucci. Yeah, Don Fanucci. So he's like the tax collector, you know, for yeah. for all of for this neighborhood. And if you don't pay him, you're gonna get yours. So. Yeah. Um, he rules with fear. Rules with fear. And you can tell pretty much immediately um, Vito is like, I'm going to become that man. Like, that things are going to change. Like, that is the man in power. I want that power. Okay. I, I didn't read it the same way. But there's like a fascination to how he does it. And I think a big part of it later on, you kind of learn, it's like he disagrees with how he does it. That's more and what it's I, like I he He's not on. taking care of this neighborhood. I will take care of this neighborhood. Once you reworded it. I was right there. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So that's the same segment where he is in the grocery store working and he gets fired. Yep. Because the black hand forces the, the grocery, the, the, the guy who runs the shop to hire his nephew. Yep. And uh, meanwhile, too, I mean, the whole sequence where he first sees Don Fanucci because they're at the play and the guy's stiffing the, the, the guy who owns the theater, or whatever, and his daughter's yeah. in the play, and and uh, um, Clemenzo is with him. No, no, it's no, not no, it's a different guy. I can't remember his name, but he's like, he's like, oh, this woman's so beautiful. They go backstage, and he sees Don, and he's like, uh, we gotta leave. It's, that's like his girlfriend. Yeah, and, and he's, he's like, not, I'm just and, gonna and leave. This her. guy has his girlfriend with a knife to her throat, and his reaction is, we gotta go. Yeah, not even gonna try. Yeah. So you know this guy has power. Yeah. He wears a cool white suit and a white fedora, mm. and he's—I mean, he's—that actor's having a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, the sets are insane, of course. Unbelievable. Do not understand how they did it. Do not understand how they did this on time, yeah. because of how chaotic it was. Because it's just all like a giant farmers market, and the camera is dollying almost any time it's outside. Yeah, I don't get it. It's also nuts. Just think about this. Uh, basically, in the span of like 12 months or so, Francis Ford Coppola basically shot three movies. Because uh-huh. this is basically two movies uh-huh. and he shot The Conversation. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason we talk about him when we talk about great American filmmakers. Yeah. Um, I don't know what those reasons are, but <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so he gets laid off. Okay, now we're already back into Michael. Uh, there's more with Michael. Michael goes to Miami, and he talks to Hyman Roth, who I said, that's a cute old man. <laughs> he reminds me of Harvey Keitel in The Irishman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so cute. I-, I liked to, and I I don't know if this was them trying to distinguish between like the Italians and the Jewish um, heritage, but... Roth is like laid back, like he has his feet up, and he's yeah. always wearing like he's e- oh, either not wearing a shirt, yeah, or he he's very more loose leisurely, fitting. yeah, and stuff. But the Italians are always like, it's a suit. I am sitting down. I am standing up. Like, I think that just shows his comfortability with his status. Like, I am number one. Yeah. And so um, he talks to him, and Michael basically says that he knows that Frankie ordered the hit on him. Yeah. Which we will find out later is not true. Yeah. And I, I think this part I think gets this a moment, little muddy. 
Well, I, yes, it does. Yeah. Um, but I think Michael is trying to like he's telling him he's sure it was hi, uh, Roth. When I don't think he's sure who did it at all, he's trying to get I, I information. I think so too, and I'm not even saying it's like bad or anything because oh, the it's movie's objectively not bad. <laughs> but it is. It does get a little muddy. But it is like just let the movie take you. This. Yeah, the 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 part that I was confused for like an hour and a half was when he was like, "Yeah, Frankie ordered this hit," and then the whole movie I was like, "It didn't seem like Frankie did order the hit." Yeah, but then they like explicitly say later that he did not. No, so and so I was like, "Oh, I just needed to trust that they would explain that." So here is, I just got a question. I guess so. He says, "I know." Uh, it yes, was, up front. Yeah, I know it was Frankie. He says this to Roth, and he pretty much says, "If you want to kill Frankie, you can." To Roth. Okay. I don't remember him saying that, but... He says something about okay. whatever you think needs to happen to Frankie can happen to Frankie. So shortly after we're in New York and Frankie, they're trying to kill Frankie, the yeah. the Roth group, by strangling him. It does not work because a policeman shows up. Yeah. And I'm just a little confused why they didn't finish the job. Like at that point, like they just couldn't, therefore he's just still alive. Well, I think it played into their favor because yeah. um, when they attack Frankie, they say, this is from Michael Corleone. And yeah. I think that was part of why it was confusing, too, because you didn't know that it wasn't Michael's guys doing it until like an hour later in the movie. Um, and so the whole movie, Frankie, you know, wants to... That's why he's okay with being a witness in the Senate hearing. Yeah, because he thinks Michael has done this to him. When in reality, Michael didn't. Roth did it. Yeah. So um, I think once they got him on board with like the Senate stuff, there's like no reason to kill Frankie anymore. Yeah. Or, or actually what probably more like, this is what happened. This makes more sense. What am I talking about? Um, that happens to Frankie and he's like, I can only go to the police. And so that's when he's putting like witness protection and stuff. Yeah. So So did, when he kills himself, does he do it because he feels like he wronged the family? Um Let's talk about that when we get there. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that happens to Frankie, so there's a, an attempt on his life that doesn't work. Yeah. Meanwhile, so you know, Michael goes to Roth about this kind of stuff, but then they're also going to start striking up this really huge deal, business deal. That involves them. I know I might be jumping. It's a yeah, long there's, movie. there's a lot of stuff in between that. But but they go to Cuba. Okay, before they go to Cuba. Yeah. Um, Michael goes to Frankie, who is in the house from Godfather. Uh -huh. He owns the house of Godfather, which is really cool. And he's like, in my house. You did this in my house. You know, he's blaming uh, uh, Frankie. Uh -huh. But then somewhere in that conversation, or maybe he wasn't blaming him, he says, I know Roth did it. So I, I feel like Michael is trying to kind of pin the two because he knows one of the two did this. And um, so Frankie is like... I think he's also trying to disgrace him because this is you let this happen to our family. Sure. This is what the movie's about. Family. <laughs> um, and so they have a confrontation. Then Junior from The Sopranos calls roth and he calls um he calls fredo and yep. so we're like okay so fredo's involved in this somehow yep more on that later and then they attempt to kill frankie which we talked about tom goes to the senator mayor. who they have tom goes to the mayor 
<laughs> Tom goes to the senator yeah. who um, they have framed for murdering a pl- prostitute. So now he's that in their back pocket. That was nuts, man. That so they, was they very nuts. They orchestrated this thing. <laughs> they somehow, and they didn't get into how because they didn't need to, but somehow they lured, that they probably knew the senator had vices. So they lured him into a brothel. Yeah. And then they apparently drugged him or something. And Murdered he wakes up. Well, does he actually do it though? Because all I know is he woke up no, and I a prostitute was dead. I don't think he murdered her. I don't think he did either. But so what I'm saying is they drugged him and he woke up yes, with yeah. a, in, in bed with a dead prostitute. <laughs> huh? <laughs> and so he is understandably freaking out. End of his career moment. You know, this is the and, end and of Tom's him. Like, Tom's like, you don't have to worry about anything. Well, because Tom's like, it happened here. It happened on our turf. Like the, the, she's, this a gonna she's a nobody. No one's going to know she existed. We will take care of you. So pretty much, you know, when we're introduced to the senator, he's talking about how much he hates this family and hates Italian Americans. And then this terrible, terrible thing happens that he's involved in, and they're they got his back. And he's yeah. like, I owe him everything. Yeah, crazy. You, you gotta wonder though, because um, one, he could go, they owe, I owe them everything. They really saved me. But there, there might be in the back of his mind him knowing. That they framed him and set I it think up. It's a threat, and they they have the power. So he's like, either way, I have no options. Yep. I and think guess so what? Too. I'm not getting that quarter of a million dollars from Michael, and I am happy That's to not get it. That's the offer he can't refuse. <laughs> um. So yes, now they're turning over their interest in Cuba. Fredo shows up in Cuba. The Cuba stuff is a little harder for me to track. Yeah. Um, so, just in terms of the the details, I don't exactly know what the business is, uh, but I do know that so they're in Cuba. Basically, like this is a tour of Cuba of Havana, and like where all of your money is going to be made. You just have to give me two million dollars to show me that you're serious in whatever this investment is. Yeah, um, it probably is gambling or hotels. Yeah. Um, but he meets a lot of people. There, there is that scene where they're in a room with several different men. Um, they're like, I think some are not even American. It's just men from around the world who yeah. are like businessmen. Um, and it's kind of like the, a similar media. It's almost like a new heads of households, like yeah. in the, the last movie. Like when they're talking about the drugs in the last movie. Yes. Yeah, it reminded me of that scene yeah, too. So, but, but what's interesting is you're seeing that these are men who control the telephone companies. Yeah. Or, uh, there was, I can't, <laughs> they're handing around that gold phone. That was crazy. <laughs> I, I love that shot. Cause it's the camera's just dollying as it goes. And it's fun. It was fun. I think the actress did a great job where some of them are like, Oh, this is really this is cool. heavier than I thought it would and be. And then some are kind of like, I'll look at it for what's the, the proper amount. And then Michael just grabs it and just passes it. He doesn't care at all. about. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so like, it's, it's heads of company companies that are like legal companies. Not yeah. in the last movie when it was not legal stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying that this stuff in this movie is legal. It's basically fronts for illegal activity. Right. But that's an interesting upgrade from the last movie. Yeah. And basically, like, Roth is bringing him around to all these things and introducing him to all these things. So this is Michael making the family legitimate. This is in the process of that. I think that's the biggest thing to know. Yeah. Of course, Michael knows that not if this all is above board and someone's going to try and kill him. Yeah. Because someone and, already has tried. And while he's there, he he figures out that, or or maybe it's before, I don't know, I can't remember the exact moment he he knows that Roth tried to kill him. I, But I can't remember he knows that he killed him, 
or attempted to kill him. And there's this great scene where Roth has like seen doctors and stuff like that. And Roth basically says, he says, kind of owns up to trying to kill him. And he says, it wasn't personal. It was business. Okay. And he says, here's what happened. There was this guy, Mo Green, and he ran Las yeah. Vegas. And yes, he was intense and he was, he spoke his mind, maybe talked too much, but for some reason, he was killed. Okay, so hold, hold on, though. Michael wasn't talking about himself. Some, someone else got killed. Okay. And it, it might have been, Sun, not Sonny, but it was someone from the last movie, I think, who got killed, and Michael was like, whatever happened to him? Okay, I don't remember that. I don't think but... he was talking about himself, because that's when he starts talking about Mo Green, and it's saying all the things that you're saying. He got killed, and I had to move on. Yeah. So, Michael, you're just going to have to move on. Maybe oh, okay. he was talking about himself. I, I him, think though. he was because but I he's think... telling him like you just got to move on because I already have. But what's what was interesting, and maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading that scene. But I, I read it as he's saying like you got to move on, Michael. It's not personal; it's business. But I did try to kill you because you killed Mo Green, and I know you did that. Hmm. But it was a business decision, even though it really was personal. I didn't think it was to get back at him for Mo Green, but maybe it was. There's a lot of subtext. Yes, and it's long too. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he says it's it's the it's the uh, career we've chosen. You know, yeah. That's what happens. Um. And then Fredo comes in, and he delivers the two million dollars to Michael. And there's there's some tension between him and Michael, and Michael's really watching him. And then they go to this like sex show in well, Cuba. Well, well, before that, oh, okay. they're getting drinks. Just yes. Fredo and Michael. And that's when Michael tells him like that he's a job for Fredo and he needs him to do a couple of things. He needs to show some men a good time before their yeah. big meeting. And also, I'm going to be assassinated tonight. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. And Fredo was like, holy crap, what? Explain this. And he's expl- he explains it. And he says, well, I'm going to kill Roth before the New Year. Yeah. So he's going to try to get Roth first. So Fredo takes all these business guys, including that senator, and Michael to this like burlesque show. It's not a, it's well, a well, sex. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a burlesque show. And then it becomes weirder. Okay. Because it, it starts one way and then it gets weird. Cause okay. they're all, they're all sitting around. And I then suppose they're all standing. it doesn't matter, but it's it not does. something that's legal. <laughs> no, it is something that I was glad that they didn't get too far into. I know. I was showing. like, do they show, but they don't, there's actually no nudity in the no, scene. Which and is I was just thinking like thankful. the last movie, they didn't have any of that either. So yeah, I don't think they would. And they didn't, but pretty much, it's weird, but but not what okay stuff. That I wanted to say, yeah, is that Fredo is kind of caught up in the moment, and and in a prior scene, he says he meets he quote unquote meets um, Johnny, mm-hmm. um, who who's is like Roth's ha- right hand man, yeah, and and then he's in this scene. Michael's listening to Fredo, and Fredo says, um, oh, "What does he say?" I wrote it down. Old man Roth would never come here, but old Johnny knows these places like the back of his hand. Yeah. So he's just given up that he knows these people. And they knew from the get-go that an inside man had to have yes. orchestrated this hit. Yes. So during this time, they attempt to kill Roth, who's getting taken to a Cuban hospital. And the the while that happens, there are like army soldiers that come in and kill the hitman. So Roth that part is, was crazy. <laughs> it was insane. Roth lives. Uh-huh. Um, some great intensity, great music in that scene uh-huh. too. Oh man. 
And then there's like a revolt also that's happening. Yeah, that was one of the really interesting things to me in this whole sequence of the movie in Cuba. So there's all these hot, like these businessmen here ready to make investments. And a lot of them aren't even Cuban. Mm -hmm. So they don't even understand what's going on in this country. And you yeah. see that there is a rebellion happening. There's an uprising happening against the government because there's, there's these rebels who believe the government is corrupt. Yeah. And it's interesting because Michael witnesses these people be arrested for being rebels. And one of them explodes himself in a by while also exploding a police captain. So taking his own life for the cause for their cause. And that to Michael was just very interesting that someone yeah. would die for that. Cause at one point he's talking about, he talks about that. He's like, I saw a thing today. And he says that thing. And he's like, it's just interesting that someone would just kill themselves for no money. They're going to win. Yeah. Because they're not motivated by that. And everyone else is like, oh, whatever, Michael. <laughs> yeah. That was just so fascinating. Cause I think, how do you think that relates to the, to this story? Well, we need to continue whole. talking about it so that I can remember what happens further. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I think that that does come back around. I think it is too, but I, I didn't quite connect the dots and I'm hoping we will yeah. while we're talking. Um, so let's keep that in our brains. Um, so then they're at the New Year's Eve party, and Michael grabs Fredo, and he kisses him very intensely. The kiss of death. The kiss of death. And he says, I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Oh, gosh, that breaks my heart. And so it's like, you're sitting there, and you go, Fredo is dead. And and so everyone's fleeing this place, and Michael's like, Fredo, get in the car. We got a plane. We got to leave. And Fredo was like, no way am I getting in a car with you now. Yeah. So Fredo runs away. Michael goes back home. And then we cut back to the teens of America, and we see Vito Corleone, and Don Finucci comes up to him, and he says, hey, I know that you You've been stealing some stuff, and you've been making some money on the side. I want a piece of that action, so you better pay me. And, and like, pay him most of the money he made. Yeah. Well, it's like, a, yeah, yeah, it's like a third of the money that they made. Because it's $600, he wants 200 So 200 from each person. He said 200 from oh, each person. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that is all of the money then. So he's like, okay, um, I'll take care of this. And so he goes and he meets with his two friends... And he says, I want you each to give me $50, and I'm going to pay him $150. And they're like, no, we can't. We have to just pay. That's the move. And he's, he basically says, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. He literally says that. A, a little bit later, he does say that, yeah. Um, and so then, um, and oh, and by the way, a, a technical note, all of the stuff that shot back in the day has much softer lighting. Yes, it does. It looks so good. And so it just looks different. And and it has, because of the soft lighting, it has kind of a nostalgic quality and look to it. Yeah. So it feels like a memory. And it, I think it also makes it feel like it's not, like, like Vito really is doing the right stuff, whether it's morally corrupt or not. Mm -hmm. So I love all that. Then we have the sequence. Now, again, this goes back to what we said at the beginning. There's this religious ceremony that's happening where we have Jesus. I'm trying on to a, look up what it is. Oh, perfect. We have Jesus on a cross, and then the and then the Italians put um, uh, money, like pin it to him. Um, and the Don is walking around, and he pins money on it, and the crowd cheers, and Vito is on a rooftop, and the camera's just tracking with him as he goes on the rooftop and he's just following Don 
And as he's going, he knows that the Don is going to be alone at his apartment once he gets there. And he grabs a gun. And he sneaks up into the stairwell. He undoes a light bulb outside of his house. Crazy. Which, stuff like that just elevates what you're doing. It makes it feel like this is a real thing. Like, that's such a detail to include that he unscrews a light bulb so that Vito will notice it and it'll kind of slow him down and give him a chance to kill him. So then, I'm sorry, the Don. So then Don, the Don gets up there. Um, of course, this is after he's given him the money and the Don says, you got a lot of balls for not paying me, mm-hmm. but that's okay, I guess. And and I could put I could get you into this family. Like I can I can get you a job here making money. So then uh the Don gets up there, he screws the light bulb back in, and Vito Corleone shoots him. Uh blood like explodes off of his face. He falls over, he shoots him a couple times while fireworks are going off, and the towel that he has the gun wrapped around catches on fire. Yeah. Another just great deep like I mean, if you're going to have kills in your movies, make them memorable. Yeah. Like, I can remember all of these kills because they're so memorable. Yeah. Um, and they just feel like, oh, yeah, that that sounds like a story you may have heard about someone who got yeah. murdered. Yeah. You know? Did you find out what I the festival's called? I don't know if this is called? it, but I'm, I'm assuming that this is around New Year's Eve because it was in the present. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if it's tombola, which is an essential New Year's tradition for some Italians, the, it's, but it says it's lottery style. And I don't know if it was lottery-like. What does that even mean? Well, like, which resembles bingo. Oh. So. Huh? So, <laughs> I'm so confused. So this is actually perfect, Jordan, because this is the intermission of the movie. So let's take a quick intermission. I'll put a musical interlude in here, and then we'll return with the second half of The Godfather, part two. So welcome back from the intermission. We got a big sneeze coming from Jordan, bless you. And um, I looked up what, Jordan looked up the holiday for a while. I did such a rookie job of Googling. And so I just such wrote, an amateur. I just wrote holiday and Godfather 2, and it immediately came up as San Gennaro. <laughs> I didn't Gennaro, think to Google it with <laughs> the name of the movie. Uh, the Feast of San Gennaro. And let's see. That is a one-day religious commemoration uh, first celebrated in September 1926 when immigrants from Naples congregated. Oh, I looked up that one too, but along Mulberry Street in the Little Italy section of Manhattan. To continue the tradition they had in Italy of St. Genarius, the patron saint of Naples, his feast day in September 19th, the liturgical calendar. Liturgical. Liturgical calendar. So that's that. But we're back from intermission. We're rejuvenated. We have some iced coffee. And we're ready to go and talk about the second part of this movie. Godfather Part 2, Part 2. So, then we have... um, Wait, is this the scene? Okay, no, no, no. So, Michael sees Kay again. I wrote Michael talks to Kay, but it's not the scene. Well, this is interesting. So, he comes... Okay, wait, first. He comes home, but first he sees Tom. And this isn't at his actual home. Tom is catching him up on all things that have been happening, right? 
Yes. Yep. 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 So yep. he is. So he comes back home and he doesn't see his family first. Yeah. He sees uh, specifically Tom. So Tom is telling him all the things that have happened, and then he also tells him that Kay had a miscarriage. Yeah. And all Michael cares about is if it was a boy. Yes. Tom doesn't know. And okay, so this is really crucial because there was something you said last night where you were saying that in this movie, Michael is not putting family first. And a lot of things are falling apart for him. I think him. he thinks he is. He thinks he is, but he's not. And yeah. that's kind of, that's an interesting uh, theme, you know, because these are all about family. And like, just the simple fact that he didn't go and see his family first. Well, I think it is, is he thinks he's doing the right thing. But then later on, he is having a crisis of that. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Senate hearings. And the Senate hearings are well, I fun. Wanted, I just want to touch on one thing. Okay. When he does go home, he's walking around an empty house. And he sees Kay at the sewing machine. And he does not say hi. He just walks away. Yeah. After not seeing her for... I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't home for Christmas. Wasn't home for New Year's. For a while. And, you know, in the previous movie, he was gone for, like, a year. Well, maybe it wasn't a year, but months, and she waited for him. So she's like, am I just going to have to do this every couple of years? Yeah. Like, I just have to wait for him to hide for a while and then come back? Is this the life I have? Yeah. Um. So then we have the Senate hearings where the—I think it's the Senate or, like, the Board of Nevada. Someone—I I don't think they specify exactly, but they're having these hearings where they're trying to figure out— you know, connections to the crime family. I don't think it's family. just Nevada. I think it's like Washington, D.C. or something. Okay, okay. I, I wasn't sure. they're asking sure. him about the organization as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I, I do think that they didn't really talk about it. And then all of a sudden, it's just happening. Which I'm, I think is fine. I, I guess, like, since there's an intermission and you're thinking, like, maybe there's been passage of time. I don't know. I think I would have liked a little preamble. Of maybe Tom said something to him about it, and I just missed it. He probably did. Where he yeah. said, "This is going to happen." Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just there's yeah. a lot of like one sentence comes up later kind of stuff in both yeah. of these movies. Yeah, where it's like you know the fact that I've only seen this two times means I'm already at a disadvantage to seeing Godfather five times. You know, uh huh. Because I'm still like second time around, I'm not remembering where uh -huh. the basic plot goes, let alone the details. So. I'm always a fan of a good Senate hearing. Mm -hmm. Come on. Those are great it's scenes and movies. so chaotic. Yeah. Um, and so we're just getting introduced to that and people are being asked about it. That's basically it. Then we cut back to Vito. And he gets, he's starting, you, you see that he's becoming this guy, like he gets fruit from someone and they just give it to him and they say, no, 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 no charge, no charge. My pleasure. And and you're seeing the juxtaposition of, like, the other Don would have been, like, telling this guy, like, give me your money and I want some free food. And yeah. Vito is like, here's money. You know, so he is ruling with love and respect. Yeah. They came to him with respect. You know what I'm saying? A gabagool. <laughs> um, take the gun, leave the cannoli. Other way around, though. <laughs> um, so, and you know what's funny? So this episode is coming out and you and I will be on... Uh, a trip on the East Coast. We're going to a wedding, and we're kind of turning it into our anniversary trip. And we will, we will. By the time this episode we'll be comes in two out, little Italy's. Yes, and by the time this episode comes out, we will have eaten probably at least two cannolis each. 
Hopefully at least. three, though. Yeah. Uh, goodbye, heart. For anyone ever finding themselves in Boston, you must go to Little Italy. That's my favorite part of Boston. And a big reason for that is Mike's Pastry, where oh, they man. serve the most delicious cannolis I've They're ever so had. so good. Not that I've had a lot, but I don't need any more. Well, and if you are from Boston, we would love to hear that you're a listener because Jordan has a lot of ties to Boston. So go to our Macaw Podcast Universe Facebook page, link in the notes, and connect with us there. And anyone who wants to, we just talk about movies. And it doesn't even have to be this podcast. And you can post too. So far, it's just been me posting and people posting on those posts. I'm pretty bad at posting. But um, yeah, you got to cover some of that too. Sorry. People like your opinion too. Sorry. You're the extroverted one in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I've talked about the movie. Now I'm I do not done. need to speak about it again. <laughs> um, so then this, there's this great scene where this woman comes up to Vito and she says, hey... Um, I, I'm getting kicked out of my apartment because my son had this dog and, you know, there's this whole situation with the landlord. Vito goes to the landlord and he says, hey. Just wants to have a conversation with him. He's a reasonable man. And he's, he's saying, you know, so you already have another family living there. And he's like, yeah, and they're paying $5 more. They're going to move in. They're, they're not in But they're yet. going to pay $5 more. And Vito gives him a six, month, six months advance $5 yeah. per month for the woman. To have yeah. him move back in. And he's like, come back and see me in another six months. And you know what? Start asking people around the neighborhood about me. So, you know, they'll say that I'm such a reasonable, good person. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't yeah. take my offer. I'm giving you the extra money. This is crazy. So then the next scene is uh, Vito is in a shop. So they're about to open a, a new store. Like uh -huh. a general. Uh -huh. It looks like a general goods. But like imported Italian. It's general olive goods, oil. Specifically olive yeah. oil. And the, the landlord comes back and he is flustered and he gives him back his money. And so you're like, like, oh, I was in a bad frame of mind. Like, that you day. know what? Like she, 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 she's such a nice lady. She's so <laughs> nice. And she doesn't even have to pay what she was paying before. She could pay $5 less a month. Wait, no, $10. And I'm gasping at this. And so the woman can come back to live there with the dog and pay $10, $10 less. less a month. And it's like, oh, he went around and talked to people about yeah. Vito. And Vito just doesn't even say a word. Yeah, and the guy's having trouble, like, opening a door because he's his, so nervous. Vito's friend is, like, kind of laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy amused. who he went to the play with earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, this is great. Yeah. I love this. Um, And so that's that little portion. Now we're back to the present day. Uh, and Michael is at the hearing. And of course, at the hearing, he's like, no, I have no knowledge of this. No, I didn't do any of this. Al Pacino in this scene, it's crazy. I mean, his performance in the whole movie, he just carries it. It's crazy. And he, especially in this scene, he, he, he is so that kind of person that is like, I'm answering your questions as truthfully as possible. I am complying. I have not exercised my Fifth Amendment rights. Yeah. I have been so truthful with you. I have served this country. I am a... I mean, he's probably not, but I'm a taxpayer, like all, like all this stuff. Yeah. Why are you, why, what is with all of this? And it's like, ooh, and, let's and adjourn for the rest of the day. It It is like you were reading in the dictionary of film on our first episode. It is kind of a travesty that Pacino does not have an Oscar for either this or Godfather. Yeah. One. Uh, that's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, it's also hilarious, the scene where the senator stands up and he's like, I just need to know, I, I can't be a part of this hearing with Michael, but 
Uh, I've I love Italian Americans. I've had the best time with they're them. So they're they're so they're among my best friends, and they're so important to the American community. And it's like, <laughs> geez, calm down, yeah. like Which, simmer. I kind of read it as like a like one. He's just trying to like compensate. Oh, and he's like overcompensating. Really, really like show Michael like I'm here for you. But at the other time, he's leaving the hearing. I know. It almost it really feels like he's just implicating himself. Like if I was that dude who yeah. was running the the hearing, I'd be like, I would we be need like to look into make this sure he guy. doesn't leave the building. <laughs> yeah. so, subpoena that man. Subpoena him. Subpoena oh, that I man. I said subpoena. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Frankie is going to witness against Michael. Remember, Frankie thinks Michael ordered the hit on him. So so Michael shows up with this man that we've never seen before. And I to the point where I'm like, yeah. do we know who that is? You said no. So Frankie's on the stand and he sees this man and he keeps looking back at him. And mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. what is going on? And so they say, do you know or have you ever been in contact or have you ever worked for and currently work for the Corleone family? And the this guy's performance is stellar. This is where he gets his Oscar nomination. Definitely, because he's just kind of fidgeting, keeps looking back, and they're like, please, pay attention. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I, I don't know nothing. I, I never heard of No Godfather. And everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, he's, you know, they're like, so you're saying that you've never, you know, uh, been ordered to do a hit or and something. And he has been sworn under oath with the FBI because he's in, currently in witness protection with the FBI and told them everything yeah and he is now on the stand saying he doesn't know anything yeah so he is like it, it is great like wh- whoever this person is that michael brought is potent is worse than the consequences he will now suffer from the government yeah that's crazy yeah so he, it throws the whole thing off the rails. That was their key witness, and he, they lost him. And you find yeah. out that that man was his brother from Italy. Yep. And they, they, I don't really, I couldn't really catch what more there was to that. No, like what? There like, was nothing more than that. And I, yeah, I think I, it's mostly implication. Yeah. It's kind of a threat that his brother's there, and and but at the same time, it's also a reminder. Like this, look family like i'm sitting with your family and you're a part of our family what are you doing i think so but i think it's also a pretty intense threat like hey i brought your brother who you haven't seen in 20 years yeah so how do you feel about that crazy um so you know that's all great there's this wonderful scene where michael and fredo are talking and they've kind of it seems like there's going to be forgiveness between the two of them when and Fredo is talking about how he was passed over. This is after the scene he has with Kay. Okay, on my notes, I have Fredo, I was passed over before that. Oh, okay, and because... I didn't take my notes out of order. I, and I know these court scenes are not exactly chronological, I think, with what's going on necessarily. Because from my memory, after the Frankie scene, they are back in the hotel. And Kay says, I'm leaving tonight with the kids. Yeah. So maybe there was another court well, hearing. So so there's a scene there's a scene before the court hearing with Frankie and it's not when they kind of come together as brothers, but Fredo talks about how he was passed over. Yeah. Uh doesn't matter. You know, cuz he was a middle child, Sonny died, he should have been the don and he says everyone thinks I'm stupid, all this stuff. I mean, that should have been the His Oscar, Oscar winning scene. Yeah. Oscar nominated scene. Yeah, that that scene was just so crazy the way that they blocked it and the position they had him in like like he's literally taking it lying down 
Yeah. Because he's lying down in this chair, but he's having this huge emotional outburst. And the acting is so good because he's yelling at him, putting Michael in his place. But in the next split second, he looks like, should I be saying this? Yeah. Oh, you know what? This is the scene where Michael says, I'm not going to kill you. Like, mother's still around. Or, or he doesn't say that, but he says, like, he says I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah, he says, yeah, I'm never to if see you ever want to see mom, you got to tell me in a day in advance so that I can be there. Yeah, that's And that he tells his one of his henchmen, for lack of a better word, uh, make sure nothing happens to him while mom is alive. Yeah. And then I think even before that is when he goes to his mother, goes to Mama Corleone, and uh, that's when he when Michael asks her, can you lose family? Did dad yeah. ever did dad ever, did dad ever question losing family? Because she is like, no, family's forever and it's always. And he he's having a hard time putting it into words because at this moment, Michael feels like everything he's done is for family, but he feels like he's losing it. Yeah. And then later, a little bit later, he does lose it. Yes. Um. So then after the hearing with Frankie, we get the Michael and Kay scene. And I think this is the best scene in the movie. And I think it's the most intense scene of the movie. Easily. So Kay and Michael are talking. She says, I'm going to take the kids. I'm out. I'm done. You you said you were going to get out of this business. You haven't. And he's like, I'm going to make changes. Come on. Like, oh, give me more time. these things that are just breaking your heart. Like, I'll change. This Things won't be the same. And, Everything will go back to normal. And like, Diane Keaton has this look of expression like, oh, you silly boy. She says, you're so blind. You're so blind. And then he says, you, you, I know that you hate me because of the miscarriage. Yeah, and that's when she says, Michael, don't you see? It wasn't a miscarriage. It was never a miscarriage. It was an abortion. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So. And then Michael's, Al Pacino's face. I can't believe. <laughs> I can't believe it, man. It drops. Yeah. And he, all expression is lost except hatred. He has hatred for her. Yeah. And she, she's kind of, um, uh, she's like, can't you see, you idiot? Like, I would not bring another son into this world. So they she, would have to be a part of this. She found out she was having a son, and that's why she aborted the baby. Because mm -hmm. like you just said, she said, I will never bring another son into this family. Because she knows yeah. if she brings a son into this family, that will not be her son. And yeah. she will be contributing to this vicious cycle but she doesn't really understand what's going on. And that's why she doesn't want it. But she knows that it's bad. I think especially because of the court hearings. You know, she, she never really knew what was going on. But especially when that starts happening, she's like, oh, my husband's the biggest criminal in America. Yeah. Even though he's not being convicted and not being found guilty of it, he is. Yeah. Wow. And then he hits her in the face. And it's it's like, it's the most brutal, like moment of the movie and yeah. so then she leaves and he's like you know i have so much power over you he says don't you think i would never let you take the children it's like yeah that's true yeah and later we'll see she is with the kids and when he shows up she has to leave and and as she's leaving he he switches spots with her because he comes home and she's leaving and she's like michael can you help what or, you know, can we make he, this work or whatever? And he closes the door on her. Closes the door and we hear her like, Michael! Like screaming out yeah. and, and crying. Come on. That's good. Uh, by the way, I wanted to say that one of Mario Puso's um, contributions, I mean, obviously he's one of the writers of the screenplay, but 
Um, he was very adamant that Michael should not kill Fredo before their mother dies. Oh, interesting. I, I, th- I got the impression that Francis maybe wanted to have it earlier. Yeah. Um, and Mario was like, the audience will not forgive Michael if he kills Fredo before the mother dies. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think that's just fun to point out, and that's like a good instinct on his part. So, yeah, it's just so crazy. So Mama Corleone dies. Well, okay, we're not there yet because now we get to cut to good old-fashioned Vito. And he has gone back to Italy. And he is going to see um, and maybe work with this olive oil company on the island of, not the island, but the city of Corleone. And it is the man who killed his mother and his father and his brother. And when he comes up to him, the guy's like, oh, your name's Vito Corleone. Okay, you named yourself after this town. And he says yes. And then he goes, what was your father's name? And I can't remember his father's first name. Anthony Andalini. Oh, Antonio Andalini. I wrote it down. Yeah. (laughs) And he says his name was Antonio Andalini. Of course, the man is very old now. And the man's like, what is it? And he leans closer and he says, Antonio Andalini. And And this is for my family. And he stabs him in the the bottom of the gut, brings the blade up to his heart. I don't get that. And then the guy who, who escorted him starts firing at like the guards and they... They get away. So he's had his revenge. Now he has the olive oil company. He is the godfather. Uh-huh. Oh, that that was so crazy. <laughs> I know. And it was like you said, it's like, how did they do that? Yeah. Um, and I I think that is the end of the veto stuff. Well, you know, I think, he gets I off believe the train. He comes, so he he he's on the train and he's with his children. Oh, yeah, because he came with his children, with his family. And a little bit before, there was another flashback before that where he's sitting on the on the steps of his home with his family and he takes Michael in his arms and he tells him, I will love you forever. And then, so in this flashback, the last flashback, they're on the train and he's holding Michael and he's just saying like, wave, Michael. Yeah. You know, it's just they're very obviously like showing him with a baby Michael. Yeah. Uh, and, and his love and affection for his family. A really interesting thing to know is how so they they do such a good job with Kay showing her experience. I know that she's not in it very much, but like in the first in the first movie and the second movie of showing her as the outsider, and not only that, like the sexism that she will never know anything about it, but she is expected to just bear children. Yeah, and um, it's just interesting because we anytime we see Mama Corleone, she's just supportive and great. Yeah, we don't get anything else about that. And I'm just curious what that role is really like because she is Italian. Uh-huh. So she, and I, I mean, I don't get the impression that she was part of the business at all. I don't think so. But it's like, was the understanding more clear? Was she more accepting of her role? Well, part part of it is is the time period, I think. Yeah. You know, she's, she's born in the early 1900s, if not the late 1800s, yep. you know, women are not allowed to have much autonomy. Yeah. And so by the time Diane Keaton's around, Kay, she, I mean, the, like, women, like there's a lot more women movements and stuff like that. Well, so, women can vote, simply. Because yeah, when, women can vote. And those flashbacks, she's like, Mama Corleone couldn't even vote. Yeah. And, and I, I think, though, on another level, um, 
not not setting sexism aside because that is a definite part of it. But I think there is maybe an idea of like Mama Corleone saw Vito become what he became and respects him for that, mm-hmm. whereas Kay um, lost respect for Michael when he became the Godfather. Yeah, I think too, like because they started with nothing together, Vito yeah. and. Mama Corleone, I can't remember her name, and I don't remember if they said it even in this movie. They probably did, but um, they they show like so they they came from rags to riches together, and I, and I think it is like you're saying. I think a little bit of it is like you're the man. You do take care of me and the children. Like I have to stay home and take care of the children. Yeah, and like so she earns she she learns that respect for him and that love, but he also brings her along with it the whole time. When yeah, when we get to like Diane Keaton, she's just married into it. Like, because Michael's already a part of it. There's no like her learning this as she goes along. It's just now you're part of the family, but not really. When she sees him go from a a military hero, yep, to a criminal, yep. So I mean, yeah, interesting. Um, so now we're back in the present, and Michael won't let Fredo see him at his mother's funeral. Italia comes back. Yes, Connie. Connie. Um. And she, you know, she says, basically, you were right, Michael. Like, I'm ready to live with the family. I've been throwing away my life. Michael's like, okay, great. And in the second, I mean, really the second main scene, she's she's really in like two scenes in this movie. And I don't feel- She probably has a little bit more screen time than that lady in the network that won an Oscar for one scene. I know. That's the record, I think. Yeah. And I think it's like, what is it? Like two and a half minutes or something Something like like that? that. But oh man, if you haven't seen Network, yeah, you gotta see Network. Ne- Network. See someone win an Oscar in two and a half minutes. Oh, I will look it up to make sure. Yeah. Uh, but that movie is like everything I love about movies in a movie. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it is. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Go watch Network. Maybe we'll cover that on one of our anniversary episodes. Okay. Because we can't talk about it as a series. They didn't make Network Part Two. <laughs> um. So Connie, and Connie also tells Michael, you know, you need to forgive your brother. Like, you, this can't work. And and it's crazy, too, because she, so I, I believe, you know, at the beginning of the movie, she wants to go off with this man. And I'm assuming that she just does. Yeah. So then mom dies and she comes back and she's like, Michael, let me take care of you and the children. Yeah. So she's, mom dies and she's pretty much like, now I'm Mama Corleone. Yeah. Crazy. And then uh, Michael and Fredo embrace and I think, had I not been watching the behind the scenes of Godfather 2 and them talking about some of the story specifics, I don't know that I would have remembered him murdering Fredo, and I would have been like, that's kind of beautiful. He forgave his brother. Yeah. Because it is it is presented in this way where I think if you haven't seen it, you don't think he's going to kill his brother at this point. I don't know. what Did you remember I him killing his I, brother? No, but I couldn't tell in this. So he hugs him, uh-huh. him, and it is very sweet, but he looks at the guy he told to kill him. Yes, and he I can't did. tell if the the look exchange was "we're all good now, don't worry about it," or "remember what I said." And that's the beauty of this movie. I know. Um, what's, what's crazy is it, it. It's just so. Looking at this, it's like so. Fredo, get, I mean, he's a coward, and he gave up his brother, the head of the whole family. Like you gotta die. Like that. Like that's your punishment. And it reminds me of Sopranos, when uh, when the character's name is pussy when he 
is working with the FBI and yeah. they find out that he's the informant and and they're like all of them are crying because they have to kill him. Oh my gosh, that scene it in the boat. It was so so oh. hard. So it, it's just I just think they both did a good job of like it's really hard to do this but we have to do this. Can we please watch some Sopranos choice? tonight? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um so then Roth lands in Miami because no country will allow this man to stay there. Uh-huh. Which that's a great detail. Uh-huh. And And he's like about to die. He's about to die. He's an old man and um Hagen, Tom Hagen's like we don't need to worry about this. And Michael's like, no, I want him dead. We are going to kill him. And then um, Michael says a couple things to him. And Bobby Duvall and old Ali Pacino are just acting. Yeah, it's so interesting. So he gives Robert, he gives Tom the the reins to, 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 to basically run the family business while he's away this whole movie. And Tom has been nothing but faithful, which is what he even says to Michael. Yeah. But then Michael is like grilling him. Yes. So it's like the person who was perhaps the most faithful to this family who can never fully be part of it. You're still holding at arm's length. Yes. Crazy. And, and, and then he says, I I don't remember what uh, Michael says to him, but then Tom says, why do you hurt me, Michael? And he's crying. Is he crying in that scene? He's crying. Oh, wow. I mean, crazy it's yeah. just nuts it's insane also that robert duvall is still alive he's like 90 something He's 90 i looked it up <laughs> oh my gosh he, he's so good but uh then uh they 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 there's the three kills in the movie mm-hmm. um someone kills roth on the in the airport yeah in miami yeah uh frankie kills himself in the bathtub okay so why let's talk about that okay Tom so he, visits Frank at the FBI the prison place. Yeah. Um, and while he's there, they have this conversation about empires and how certain people like there needs to be a bloodletting sometimes. Yeah. Like a purge. Yeah. And I'm trying to relate that because well, they, they have a conversation. I just wonder if it. So, you know, throughout this movie, Frankie is trying to get help from Michael and Michael doesn't give it to him and Frankie almost dies for it. And Frankie thinks that it's all because of Michael. Therefore, he's going to betray them, betray the Corleone family. And then Michael brings his brother, which changes Frankie's mind about it all. And he can't go against the family. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if he is like, I basically, and this is kind of goes back to that cult mentality of like, I've sinned yeah, and I have to be punished. And I have, and you know, I have to atone for my sins. Well, and, and instead of letting someone else do it, he does it himself. Yeah, I, it probably is. I think we might have been overthinking it when we were watching yeah. it because I think it is that simple. And it's also like it. He is still a loose end, even though he he, sh- he showed his face in court and was like, okay, he's a loose end to them, and he still is like the government's connection to taking down Michael, and they're not yeah. gonna like let up magically no um so yeah that that makes sense um and then of course fredo killed on the boat as he's doing a hail mary um and i like how you know because like we've talked about the 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 murders in these films are so visceral and so um imagery based it's Mm -hmm. there's something really poetic and beautiful about how when Fredo is killed, we don't see it. 
we hear the gunshot, mm-hmm. it cuts away. And and I think that's that disconnect between Michael and how he's he's having to like compartmentalize that he's killing his family. I think so. You know? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so then there is finally the flashback scene. The very last scene of the movie where Oh, the you know, birthday. Sonny's there, everyone's there, it's the surprise birthday. And this is when they find out that Michael has signed up to be in the army. When Vito has specifically and and made him go to college, and I think it was to become a lawyer. It was. So he basically, when Michael was born, like his life was mapped out. As were the other kids. I'm assuming. I actually feel like um, Connie's only life purpose was to get married and have children. Yes. Um, but the, for the boys, like. Tom was supposed it was made to be the conciliary. Sonny was made to be the next Don. Mm-hmm. Michael was supposed to be another lawyer to help. Well, the, the thing too, Michael was the one that Vito did not want to have any part in this family business. Yeah. As if like you were the one pure one and I'm going to allow you to to go. I think I figured out the Cuba thing. Okay. Because of what you're saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already so, forgot about that. When the 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 Cuban guy is a rebel and he, he blows up and he's not motivated by money. So he's going against the cause. And I think in light of what you're saying, I think one reading of it could be that Michael is the rebel because he rebelled against what his family Mm -hmm. wanted and then did become part of the money. Yeah. Right. So does that make sense? What I kind of, let me talk about it. So, so he, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, he has his whole life mapped out. And he's going to be taken care of. And then... And Sonny, it doesn't involve the business. Yeah. And meanwhile... Yeah. And Sonny's talking about... So, like, World War II was about to happen. Or it yeah. is on the cusp of happening. And Sonny is making really derogatory jokes about Japanese. Yes. And they're talking about the war and how it's happening. And he makes some joke about, like, well, at least no one's joined the arm, joined this movement. And that's when well, Michael says, the, I, I have. Yeah. Just like the rebel. He's fighting for a cause. Yeah, he's, and I think is it Sunday just kind of saying like, well, what's interesting is he's talking about how, like, I'm assuming he read this in the paper about Japanese people just blowing themselves up for no reason. Yeah, like for a country, no one loves their country that much or, or would do anything for their country. And Michael said, "I did. I am. I enrolled in the army." To which they're all upset. Yeah, which is interesting to think about in, in Japanese culture, especially World War II. You you learn about like the kamikaze pilots. Yeah. And um, some other things I can't remember, but like the the whole like sacrificing for country thing. Yeah. Where you commit suicide for your country and that is considered honorable. Yeah. That is like for a a mafia family where it's really just the interest only is anything that affects the family. Like that is foreign. Like that does not make sense. Especially when the father of the family Vito had to flee his country because it basically rejected him. Yeah. And he came to this country that also was rejecting him. And he has fought to make a name for himself in it to the point where I'm going to make my own country and it's going to be this family. And that's all that's going to matter. When Michael is thinking bigger than the family yeah. and is going to prison or just, uh, just prison like the, going to just like the, the Cuban rebel. Yes. So I, I think I think the, the Cuban rebel could be read as a metaphor for his life. So do you think that he lost touch with that, though? Well, I, I think you could read it that he lost touch with it, and that that side of him has always been there. 
or the simple fact that his dad had his whole life mapped out in front of him and he rejected his dad's plan by becoming the godfather yeah and because that's like rebelling against his family's plan even though he makes it about family yeah so he's still the cuban rebel in a way i I don't know if i understand that uh how he ends up to still uh, well i think you can i think you can read it like you said but uh, i'm also reading it like like the cuban is rebelling against the system and if you take the system and call it Vito's plan for Michael, he rebels against his dad's plan by becoming part of the family and the family business because his dad never wanted him to be a part of it. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Well, the interesting part, though, is in this movie, he he's trying to do things for the family, and I don't know if he quite accomplishes it all. No, I don't think he does. So that's Godfather Part uh, 2. Yeah. Um, guys, it's a thinker. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. I, I what what I think this movie does, uh, that that sets it really apart from Godfather One is there is a lot more subtle nuance going on. Yeah, the first movie is nuanced and subtle as well, but I I think, you know, there is a lot of stuff that we could probably sit here and talk about. I mean, we have, but I mean, you like anyone listening to this could sit there and talk about the Cuban rebel for a half hour and try and figure out what you think about it and stuff like that. Whereas the first movie does have some of that, but I don't know that it has it quite to this extent. Yeah. Um, which makes sense why people say this movie's as good, if not better than Godfather part one. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's perfect. 10 out of 10, just as the first movie is a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like it more than the first movie, but I don't like it a single part less. I, uh, yeah. I like the first one more. Yeah. But this one's still really good and a classic. Yeah. And then, so, um, yeah. I mean, do we have anything else on Godfather Part 2? I don't think so. Okay. Well, here is the deal, folks. Next, you already heard on Patreon, we got Kill Bill Volume 1 that came out two days ago. Um, so next week, we're covering Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, because today, that movie came out. So, that is Phase 4 Marvel, movie number two. And I got high hopes for that one. I got real high hopes, because it looks pretty cool. And there is a water dragon, and that's kind of all you need for me to be happy. Um, and then the week after that, we'll be back in Godfather Part 3. And then, of course, after that, we'll be doing another series. I'm not going to say what, but let's just say our next two series might get a little bit scary. Ooh. Because we're getting close to that scariest time of the year. And also, you know, we got a pretty great Halloween episodes uh, planned where we cover movies that were supposed to be franchises but only have one entry. See Fantastic Four 2015, our first year, and see uh, uh, Mortal Engines from last year. Uh, But this year is going to be a fun one. So thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. I haven't shouted that out in a long time. Um, Go eat a big plate of gabagool. Let us know what you think the Cuban rebel means either on our Facebook group, on our Twitter, 
or on a rating of this very podcast on apples mm-hmm. a- apple podcast I-, I said apples on apple okay okay uh we'll see you next week for shang chi bye